Today, my guest is geometric Lego artist Jeff Sanders, aka Brick Bending. We're not only going to pick his brain about how he got started creating works of art with Lego, but delve into the idea of creativity itself. I hope you enjoy our time together with Jeff Sanders. I am with someone today that is basically going to blow your mind. His work is amazing. It's genius class creativity in my book. You've probably seen his stuff on YouTube uh, where he has millions of views. If you haven't seen him there, you've seen him on Instagram. Where he has uh, over 50,000 followers, possibly TikTok at Brick Bending with, uh, with over 600,000 followers. You know him as Brick Bending. I know him because I looked him up as Jeff Sanders. Jeff Sanders, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. I, I, I kind of made a job title for you because there isn't really one. You've, you've described yourself in different ways, but I kind of combined it all together. You're a contemporary geometric Lego artist. Do you agree with that? Yes, that is an, <laughs> an excellent, excellent moniker. Okay. So what that means, folks, is this guy takes Legos and he builds geometric shapes, but then... Okay, that's normal. That's what normal people do. But then he takes and he bends them and twists them in ways that you would think would be impossible. This is so far from uh, your basic Lego set. It's so far from anything you've ever seen. If, if you've even chanced upon one of his videos, you already know what I'm talking about. I, yeah, I see that. And it, it, here, here's the thing before we even start, I was going to say this for the end, but I, I know why you do what you do without even asking you. And it's because of this noise right here. That is the sound of bricks bending right there. And the first time I heard that on the first one of your videos, that sound has also been described as thousands of Legos screaming in pain. Oh! <laughs> I wouldn't doubt Not how I experience it, but no, I see it as they're reaching their full potential. It's like, yes, this is, yes. this is, the, this is never intended, but it's what we were supposed to be. And it took this man to find it. Let me ask you a question. What was your first ever Lego experience? My first ever Lego experience was, I mean, I probably was two, three, you know, mm -hmm. as soon as I am sure as, as soon as my family determined that I wouldn't eat them, right. I would set free on them. <laughs> so, and I come from a big family and we had that, that cardboard box of Lego where every set ultimately landed. And so I built with Lego from my youngest memories and I, I loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what inf has influenced your creativity currently to include Lego? Oh, I mean, the reason I got back into Lego as an adult, and there's a term in the Lego community, which is the Dark Ages, mm -hmm. and that is the, the period of time be between which you stop playing with Lego as a kid, and then you restart as an adult. Okay. So I restarted with my own kids, and uh, the story I like to tell is that I have two daughters, and I had played a lot of Polly Pockets and a lot of My Little Ponies, <laughs> and at some point I just went, I'm going to find a toy that I remember liking as a kid. So went and bought a few sets and built with the with the kids. And so heading back into the world of Lego as an adult, you know, like when, you know, Jeff at eight, you know, who loved Voltron and, and Transformers and all of that, I built a lot of spaceships like like a lot of people have. But Jeff at 35 was in grad school for math. And so my brain was full of a lot of different things. And so that combination of math plus being an adult plus rediscovering Lego really eventually evolved into all of this crazy stuff. So what is your background in math? Oh, that's a that's a <laughs> an interesting story. Um I was really good at math back in in high school and then I got to college and dropped out of an engineering program within 6 months oh. and went into English literature. Okay. Um because I just I I needed to do something really i wanted to do something that was creative and fun and philosophical and broad ranging and all that good stuff right um and then after i graduated with a degree in english lit uh, i promptly started serving tables at the olive garden and <laughs> and you flash forward like another 10 years and i was like i need a career like i need to do something 
And so I thought about math and I'm like, I was really good at that back in the day. And I loved, I worked in higher ed at the time uh, in admin. And so I was like, I'll, I think I'll go back and do math. So I went back and redid uh, kind of undergrad and math, went into grad school and promptly realized that there is a limit to my ability to do graduate level mathematics. So <laughs> I hit my upper threshold and was like, okay, I, I got to move on to something else. Right. So, right. but I, math is near and dear to my heart and particularly the visual side of mathematics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever used like a graphing calculator, the old school ones or any programs, and you can program in uh, graphs of like a parabola, well, you can also just tweak that parabola and put in like 50 parabolas and make cool patterns, kind of the, the precursor to a lot of the crypto art uh -huh. that you have out there, NFTs and stuff. So that kind of just digital art, I did that with math just for fun back in the day. So nice. Lego was a very natural extension of, of math and data just in a, in a tangible format. So you found the bricks were just the right shape and size to help illustrate what was in your mind yeah and it's it's also like the thing that's really cool about lego bricks is that they're all exactly the same yes right if you buy them new and that's where essentially they're like physical data you know you just you get a one by two plate and you get another one by two plate of the same color and they're both brand new and they are just perfect copies and so when you get a lot of the same pieces together, you can start iterating in ways that are just, uh, it's, it's simple, but it's also magical at the same time. The power of that simplistic iteration. I want to challenge my listeners to pause the podcast right now and seriously go uh, to YouTube right now, youtube.com and uh, look up brick bending and watch one, just one video, any of them. It doesn't matter which. Uh, and come back. If you're in a hurry, go to TikTok, type in brick bending, watch a video, come back. Because you can't fully appreciate this interview, I don't think, without having been exposed to a minute of it. Um, he's been featured by Lego themselves. His work has been obviously featured by YouTube, Nerdist, BuzzFeed, Beyond the Brick, Wired, and so the question I have to ask you is, are you or were you the first brick bender? I was not the first. Okay. So, and I think if you like the, the technique that really just launched me was it launched my, my obsession mm -hmm. was when you string together a lot of small one by two bricks, you get that little bit of play that's in between them. Right. And so when, and that little bit of play adds up as you put 20, 30, 40, 50 together and you get a curve. And when I, when I just kind of discovered that on my own with my kids, I, it just blew my mind. And I, and so I had to dig every one by two I had out of the box <laughs> and I had every color under the rainbow and my kids and I made this first perfect circle. And at the time, I tried to look it up online, and I couldn't find anything. In recent years, there are definitely people that came before me who had found that technique and used it. Mm -hmm. And you see it uh, all over the place now. But I, I independently discovered it, but I certainly was not the first one. Okay. Okay. Now, since then, I have tried to find every weird building technique I can possibly find. And I don't know if I'm the first on many of those, but there are dozens of things that I do that are... Unique, if nothing else. Unique, uh, unique to you. You don't know if you invented it, but you didn't get it from anywhere else. Correct. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I, I have to ask, what inspires a new project? And then how long does it take for you to conceive of a new project? It's really interesting because I think going back to the whole concept of creativity, I think creativity is a really um, misunderstood word. And I think it probably has 18 different meetings, mm, right? Mm. And so for me, creativity is very much about play. And so when I, I, I'd say that easily half of the bills that I have emerge spontaneously from just allowing myself to get a pile of bricks, uh, you know, one or two kinds and just play. And I have probably made... For every interesting build I've made, I've made 20 or 30 that are profoundly mediocre. <laughs> so I just play and I make something and I'm like, nah, and I throw that in the bin. And then I do it again and I do it again. And I just allow myself to play. And 
it's it's something that in recent years has really kind of hit me hard that you know there's that phrase think outside the box right and everybody uses it and and it depends on the context you're talking about but in terms of things like like known lego building techniques when you want to think outside the box it's kind of like saying do something you've never done okay right think something you've never thought and that's just almost it's almost impossible it's like lift yourself up by your own bootstraps right but because i let myself play i explore I explore spaces that I probably couldn't think of on my own if I was just brainstorming. And I discover things all the time. And every time I discover something, uh, either I don't have enough bricks to actually to play it out, or, um, or I'll just not quite know what to do with it, and I'll stick it on a shelf. And then three months later, I'll be a little bored, and I'll see that thing, and I'll be a little inspired by it, and I'll tweak it. And so I iterate on hundreds of different little building techniques. There's, there's literally a hundred in progress. That's my, this wall isn't actually the wall behind me. Isn't, uh, isn't a finished product. Those are all just little ideas that I'm just slapping up, putting somewhere so I can look at them over time. So would you so, agree with Bob Ross that the, uh, the concept of happy accidents, is that? Oh yes. 100%. And one of the best compliments I ever received, uh, was I'm the Bob Ross of Lego. Oh, oh, that is was amazing. Like, Yes, and I don't know if it was meant as a full compliment, but I took it as a compliment. <laughs> so, I yes, hundreds and hundreds of happy accidents, and they are all opportunities to make something that you just did not intend, but are better than what you could have intended. Right. I, I originally had a question that involved math and your projects, because it's so hard uh for me, it was very hard to not look at some of your work, not the, the geometric side of it and imagine that he sat down and did this without doing math. But from what I've heard online that you do not create primarily with digital work in advance, you don't start with math formulas. You, like you said, you play, is that, is that, does that hold true? That is 100% correct. That's that's crazy. And part of that is that, and th this goes back to the idea of thinking outside the box. Like when, when a software design tool, it will only let you do the things the software is designed to let you do. And so I, I've never tried them, but I'm pretty sure that 95% of the things I build cannot be done in a software tool. Right. And so... And then the other side of the part, what's ironic, right, is I do have a fairly extensive math background. And so I can bust out the math if I really need to. But I find math is a really useful tool. I don't find math fun. <laughs> and it's a crying shame because the Lego, this is math. The Lego that I do, it is math. It's just visceral, physical math kind of just manifesting in front of you. And it's it's one of my qualms with math as a as a... Uh, in the way that education has has wrangled math is that there's some there's some real magic in there there's some real just kind of mind-blowing revelations about how the universe functions and we've really just made it this sad abstracted esoteric thing mm. and so when i need to on a rare occasion there's something i'm trying to build and i'm just frustrated because i've tried it and i tried it and i tried it and i just can't get it to work so I'll bust out a spreadsheet. I'll start doing some calculations and I'll try to figure that out. And it kind of takes the fun out of it. Uh, but sometimes I'm so desperate to get that final build. I will bust out a little bit of uh, the old math chops. Okay. We don't consider that cheating. See, I'm, a, I'm an illustrator and we sketch, you know, and then we lay a layer on top of that and we draw in our sketch. And then we lay a layer on that and we ink on our, on our drawing, you know, each time perfecting. And if you need to go back a few steps, uh, you know, that that's absolutely fine. Um, I, I think that's one of the sad things you'd mentioned, uh, about the way education is for kids. I think another misconception about creativity when it comes to children is they think that when you quote unquote cheat, uh, that it's somehow wrong that if something doesn't come from, uh, your mind, uh, like, like a child trying to draw a horse, for instance, did you draw that from your mind or did you look at something? Another child will berate that kid if he used a reference. And to me, creativity is taking all of those rules away and saying, no, you know what? At the end of it, when it's done, when you're looking at it, who cares how you got there? 
creativity has no rules. Right. And and I, and I think that's actually something that that a lot of people really struggle with because rules also give you like a framework. They they're like a safety net. Right. And so you take away all the rules and all of a sudden you're just it's you know, it's like the classic story of the writer staring at the blank page and just feeling, you know, uh, existential dread because there's an infinite number of possibilities. Well, Lego's got to give you a little something there uh, because there are hard limits. Um, yes. And I find that absolutely like liberating. Yeah. Like I'm I am crippled by, you know, I, I have done writing in the past and uh, I enjoy writing, but it's also because there's an infinite number of possibilities, my brain just gets stuck sometimes. But those and limits. And the fact that Lego has very hard limitations. Yeah. And it will not let me do certain things that I want to do. It just, it cuts off these avenues. And so I just have to explore the, the paths that are available to me. And that takes all the anxiety away. It's just like, I just have to dig and find the next cool thing. And it's in those bricks somewhere. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, it saves you. It saves wasted energy because creativity is energy too. Uh, yes, yes. And and if you can save it, <laughs> you know, so be it. So when you sit down to play, how do, how's your mind working? Uh, do you do you have a general idea in mind, or or does it start as simple as I I, I did two by twos last time. I'm going to do three by threes or four by fours or what 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 gets you going? You see something and that sparks you. What 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 gets you going on a new show, uh, project? Yeah, it depends. And I think that sometimes uh, I will be at my my local Lego store here in Portland, Oregon, and at the back of any Lego store is a pick a brick wall. Yes, where you can buy bricks in bulk. And so on, I hit that store on a regular basis, and there'll be some new brick there that I've just never seen or never had a chance to play with. And so I'll just buy, you know, 500 <laughs> or 1,000, depending on the brick, and I'll bring them home. And then at some point when I have an opportunity, got an hour or two, I'll have that brick waiting there, and I'll be like, I'm going to figure out what I can do with that thing. And then I put those down, and then I play. And then if, if the brick's really interesting, I'll come up with a dozen different weird possibilities and I'll kind of put them aside. So that's one way of doing it. Another way is that it's kind of like going back to kind of these old reliables and trying to mine them one more time. You know, so I'll, I'll have something like there's a brick that I've been using recently that I have literally built, you know, a hundred different variations on how they go together. And, and I've just started that. My most recent YouTube videos are this really interesting A-shaped wedge plate. Yes. One of the weirdest little Lego plates you'll ever find. And... Sure enough, like every time I kind of get, I get bored with what I'm doing and I go back to that well, I find something new uh. over and over and over again. And so that's another fun way to go about it. And occasionally I'll see something that inspires me, you know, some geometric piece of, you know, nature or another geometric mm -hmm. artist. And I'll say, well, can I do something kind of like that? Um, I, it's, it's, it's actually kind of a, I, I never worry about copying anyone. Because, and that's something in art, right? Where you're like, you don't want to actually do something that's essentially a right. copy of someone else. And I don't want to, because that's just boring. Like, I just, I want to make things that are original to me. But because Lego is so limited, like, I'm not going to be able to copy things. The few things I've ever really tried to copy, they almost always fail. And so I'll get inspired by some interesting shape, you know, like a Nautilus shell. And then I'll just try mm. and see what I can, see what I can come up with. And then usually that leads me in a totally different direction. And I find something I didn't expect. And then not, the end result's not a Nautilus shell in any way, shape, or form, but the inspiration got me to that destination. All right, so creativity is work and play. Uh, so at a point, though, is there a, is there a point in that process where you, you get over the hill and you're like, okay, now... Because and I'll tell you what sparks that question is, is in your videos, you, uh, you will build the small pieces. And, and you will put a, an example piece together and then you will slide out 12 of them, you know, already pre-built. So is there a point in your builds where the work is over and it's just downhill and you already know that it, or, or is it, or is it struggle from the first break to the last on a new project? No, there's usually that point. There's usually that point where I'm like, I know where it's going. Um, and especially like a lot of the builds I do is particularly for YouTube, like I have really big, really complicated builds that I don't know if I'll ever be able to put on YouTube because it's just not conducive mm. to that format. Like the builds are either huge or they don't iterate in the same way. 
And the YouTube format lets me, you know, take a build process that might have taken me, you know, 20 or 30 hours of, of discovery and then testing and then iteration and distill it down to four minutes. And that's that's kind of the magic of that process. And that's why I think a lot of people find it mind blowing um, because I can distill it. Right. And so it's. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting crazy game that's never quite the same twice how many how many pieces do you think you've made just ballpark because i'm i I, i'm looking at your wall behind you for those of you that that can't see through this podcast which is all of you i'm looking at easily two dozen amazing geometric shapes made out of black yellow uh red lego on his back wall and that's already more than i imagined he had done in total um, I see at least two dozen pick a brick cups full. <laughs> so that answers another question I had. <laughs> so, um, so how many pieces do you think you've done to date? Um, depending on like big pieces, like really big kind of art installation style pieces. Mm-hmm. I've probably done 30 wow. and then you get down to the medium size and that's probably another 70 or 80. And then small ones that are like little nascent ideas that may turn into something big one day, hundreds, hundreds, like it's, it's, I've been doing this for a decade and I'm yeah. a pretty obsessive person. And Over so a decade. I have builds drip coming out my ears. That's so. amazing. That's amazing. So how much money have you spent on Legos? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Like <laughs> grand total in 10 years. Yes. Easily $25,000. Wow. Wow. And and the magic of that is that I mean, that's not something I could have just spent on my own, right? And say, sorry, kids, there's your college education. Yeah. I spent it on Lego. <laughs> um, that largely came from a Kickstarter project that I did back in 2011. Okay. And then uh, I have had Patreon going on and off for the better part of that decade. And then the real big one recently was YouTube. Once kind of YouTube took off, I started getting paid by YouTube in a way that I've never been paid before. So that that video I have of of me just dumping like something like 15,000 A-shaped wedge plates, that's 100% YouTube funded. And so everyone who watches my videos, thank you very much. It is funding this obsession. Yes. Um, And then the other big one was that I was commissioned to build an art piece for the Sharjah Islamic Art Festival in the United Arab Emirates. And it was a massive installation, and they let me keep it at the end. So that was just solid eight thousand dollars in bricks. Oh, just now, right there. now you're doing my so. job for me because I was gonna. I want to talk to you about that. Um, how uh, I was gonna ask how you source your pieces because a lot of your uh, commenters ask that is and and so we know about pick a brick. I know about the installation in in the UAE. Um, do do you get online and 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 uh and buy stuff how how else are you you getting your your bits and bobs so for anyone out there who's who watches my videos and like i want to try to build one of those mm. then if you have a local lego store and at the on the pick a brick wall if they have those bricks that is the best way the best cheapest way to get those bricks and so for the first solid, you know, six or seven years of my adventures in, in geometric Lego art, it was all about shopping that wall and being frugal and finding the pieces I was looking for. And I could take six months to gather the pieces I needed because it was just the, the cheapest, most efficient way to do it. Since kind of YouTube showed up on the scene and I actually had some money to spend, I am going straight to bricklink.com. Okay. And I know there are a couple other options out there, but Bricklink is just, you can shop for bargains. And you can kind of find if there's a piece you're after and you're not so particular about color, then the color of the piece makes a huge difference in the price sometimes. Mm -hmm. So now just because it's so much more efficient and I can order large numbers and it's worth the extra money, bricklink.com is where I go. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, So how far is too far when bending? Uh, Let me play my sound again. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, how do you find the limits? Because I've I've watched uh, oh I uh, a Lego build like any other from eight twenty one. Um, you you bend and bend and bend and and the and the Legos start to sound like they're gonna just explode at any moment. And I'm sure I'm sure now that I'm saying that 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 has happened. Uh, how tight how tight can you get 
a Lego bend. So, and what are the what are the elements involved? So it depends on on the kind of build, right? And so, like your traditional like Lego circle, mm-hmm. right? At this point, well, let me take a step back. So there definitely is too tight, and too tight normally results in the build popping apart and Legos flying everywhere. Oh. And I, I had a bunch of videos on my YouTube channel that were from seven or eight years ago, and I took most of them down just because the quality was really bad. But I left a couple. And one of them is me doing a safety video. <laughs> and so it's like two or three minutes long, and I actually demonstrate what happens when you just bend it too far. And the, like one of the pieces flies in the air. It actually lands on the collar of my shirt and sits there for a minute, <laughs> and I didn't quite see it. And so that's the normal thing will happen. Lego will just fly everywhere. Um, and then if occasionally especially if you're using older bricks they're not brand new or you just torque those bricks too hard the bricks will break you'll crack them more likely they'll you know they'll get a split in them they'll show a wear line Mm. um so i have a small cup that i keep on the rare occasion i break one i keep all of those broken Ah. bricks together so they're they are like the 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 sad trophies you know (laughs) like the the scars left behind for all of these builds Uh, Uh, but considering just how many bricks i've bent over the years i have broken probably 0.001 percent of them really they're so they are so terribly amazingly strong right and one of the funny things is is when people don't like what i do because of the illegal bending and and whatnot you know they're they're like you're torturing those bricks you know you're 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 putting them under stress and like lego's notorious for being like this torture device for your feet Yes. Right. It's like everybody, like you step on Lego and it's like this r- relentless, hard, <laughs> terrible worst. little thing. Yeah. And, and when you take two plates that are the same size and you stick them together, you're Good never going to get them apart. Yeah. Right. And, and so there's the kind of that kind of uh, two sides of the same coin, mm. right? Where you're just like, they're so resilient. They're little wonders of, of plastic engineering. And, and maybe and so, they deserve a little bending, dadgummit, after you've had to step on them so much. So. Well, and, and one of the funny things, too, is that the classic bending te- technique that I use, those builds are strong, right? And some of my videos, like, I'll take a big bent art piece and I'll and spin it. Pull it right around, yeah. And, like, there's no other Lego build you can possibly make where you can spin it or drop it <laughs> and it doesn't explode. But when those bricks get under tension, they're rigid and they are strong and they last forever. Right. Like if you take them apart 10 years later, the bricks are a little sad. <laughs> They've kind of given up the ghost a little bit, um, but it'll never spontaneously explode. That's I have builds that are that are easily a decade old and they are just fine. To answer your original question, though, yes. like the standard Lego circle that I'll build out of one by twos, 48 one by two bricks. That's it. That is huh? the, that is the, the I don't tightest. go lower than that unless I have to. OK. Um, but there, there was once upon a time when my kids were little and I started doing this, my kids had access to bricks and we built them together. And my daughter came running up to me and she handed me a Lego circle she had made. And it was the smallest, most terrifying <laughs> Lego circle I have ever seen. And the bricks were literally just, you could see the wear lines on them. And I have no idea how she did it, but she had no fear. That's amazing. It, it must have been like a 38 brick circle or something crazy. So... <laughs> That you can, if you're really going to torture them, you can get way worse than what I show you on YouTube. So your your installation at the uh, the 21st Jahar uh, Islamic Arts Festival was called Ten Point Geometry in Black. It uh, in, brick. in brick. My bad. Yeah. Um, it included uh, final count. You estimated over seventy five thousand bricks. It measured five meters by two meters for for. For us Americans, 15 feet people by six foot tall. That that impresses me because I don't know the I don't know meters. So um, how did you get involved with this thing? I mean, you're you're in Portland, Oregon, you're building bricks, you're you're suddenly overseas putting stuff up on the wall for the chic. How does something like that even start? How did you get invited? How did you know to send in a proposal? What tell me a little bit about this? It blows my mind. So 
I, I started putting my work on. So originally I had put some YouTube videos up and I did a Kickstarter project for those videos and just got zero traction on YouTube. And this was the early, early days of YouTube. Nobody knew what it was, right. certainly not me. So I made a few videos, put them out there. And then eventually I was like, Instagram showed up and I'm like, I like, this is an interesting platform to show off what I do. And so I just started taking pictures of my builds, sticking them on Instagram fairly regularly. And so that was most the first probably five or six years of my adventures in in Lego art was that, mm. you know, building something, put it on Instagram. And at some points I had gone past, you know, I'd kind of exhausted this, the classic Lego curves that I had built and I had done some other interesting things and I had seen Islamic design online and and I had no idea what it was. And so, and and if anybody, if you've ever seen um, the classic rosette, and you'll see it in cathedrals in Spain, and it's all over the Middle East, and there's, it's just that classic uh, Middle Eastern style of uh, of geometric art. And so I'd seen those things, and I gone, I, I wonder if I could do something like that. But that doesn't, you, you don't build those pieces, those those art designs with one by twos, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of straight lines. And so eventually I came across a, a number of longer plates. So I had like one by tens and one by twelves. So I started just playing. I'm like, can I make this little rosette shape? So long story short is I eventually built a few things that looked kind of reminiscent of Islamic design. And I took pictures of those and put them online. And then at some point I got an email. It was probably in 2018, I think. Um, I get an email that it looked like one of those Nigerian prince emails, <laughs> right? Where I kind of glanced at it and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if this is legit. And it was someone, it was someone from the festival saying, um, hello, we are the Sharjah Islamic Art Festival. Uh, are you aware that your work is reminiscent of Islamic design? And so we emailed back and forth and, and I kind of looked them up and sure enough, it was a legit art festival. Um, but, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And so, and I'm like, yes, I, I do realize it's it's in that vein. Um, and they're like, would you be interested in applying for the festival? And so I reached out to a couple of artists that I had seen online who'd been in previously. Mm -hmm. And they, uh, and one thing I've discovered through this whole process is that the artist community is pretty amazing. Yeah. Like people who just did not know me from, from Adam, uh, responded to my emails and they were just like apply hopefully you'll get in and it will change your life wow. do it wow. just do it no matter what it takes just do it and so i i sent my proposal in to the festival and i had proposed like like five or six one square meter builds of various kinds with some of these patterns that i thought i could build but i wasn't 100 percent sure and they emailed back and said, that's a really interesting proposal. Could you do something bigger? <laughs> so I went, all right, kind of cracked the knuckles and sent back the proposal for the 10 square meter, you know, the six by 15 feet monster. And I said, I could try to build this. And they're like, great, we'll take it. You're accepted. That's and, you know, here's here's the, the check for your proposal. Go build it. Oh. And that's when it got really real, really fast. I bet. Because I had, I mean, I built... I had built things that were, you know, maybe three or four feet wide, five feet wide, but 15 feet wide is just a whole new level. So a, a little bit of fear and a, and a little bit of excitement. Um, and, and I, I, at that point, I'd been really kind of just keen to really build something big, you know, like audacious. And so they gave me the opportunity. And what was fascinating about that was, I do not have a wall in my house that is that big. <laughs> and so I, and, and I really hadn't ordered bricks in mass like that. And so I really just started winging it. I went on BrickLink, started ordering things. I ordered through lego.com. Um, although there's a limit to 999 pieces of any given type. Oh, really? Order through LEGO. I wonder how many people know that. Not many. I would wager. So I just I started ordering bricks and putting this thing together, and it took me probably three months. Yeah, I had to build it in stages. So I built the first third of it on the wall, and I took that down, and I built the second third, and then I took that down. Uh, I built cases to ship it to yes. the Middle East. And so when I showed up in the UAE with my wife for the festival a week before it opened, it had never been fully built. And I was 99% sure I could make it work, but I was like, I really hope this doesn't go south. 
I, so, I saw on your Instagram that the shipping containers, you were inspecting them and uh, that it came in 99% intact. Um, yeah, it literally just a couple of loose amazing. bricks. I was, I was shocked. That's a long way. That's a long way. Like I can't way. remember what the sheer number of, of miles that is, but it's, it's a long, long way. And a lot of people so, that don't know what they're moving, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, and the fest festival had facilitated the whole shipping of everything through a professional shipper. And so I spent two or three days, had a few little tweaks, but I managed to get it up on the wall and, uh, you know, got all the lighting set up and, I mean, the festival itself is just an utterly amazing experience. The, the for everything from the staff, the the museum, the whole nine yards, and then meeting thirty or forty other artists from around the world who all have a similar kind of crazy <laughs> that I have um, was out, it was it literally was life changing. Like I I walked away from that festival just inspired and excited, and I had eighty thousand bricks to build with for the next <laughs> year and a half. So. Yeah, it was it was literally a dream come true, and it came about because I had posted things on Instagram, and someone had seen it and made the connection and made me an offer. You hear that, folks? You you do what you love, you put it out there in the world. It's like planting seeds. If you don't plant the seeds, nothing grows. Uh, creativity opens doors. Yeah, and there's there's no guarantee, but I'll guarantee you're not going to get invited to a festival in the Middle East unless you do that. That's right. And Planting you, the seed is a prerequisite. And you met the sheik. This for for the for, for folks that don't know, this is like the king of the the country. Uh, this would be the equivalent of the president showing up uh, to yep. see it's, your work. In the United Arab Emirates, and, and uh, apologies if I don't get this completely accurately, but there are I think there are seven emirates. The, the United King, not United Emirates. Mm -hmm. Each emirate has its own sheikh. And so Sharjah is the emirate that's next to Dubai. And so before I went, I was telling everybody I was going to Dubai. And it's not Dubai. Dubai is the big, crazy, like right. Disneyland of technology and, and whatnot. And Sharjah, the emirate of Sharjah, is really known for art and culture. And so this is their festival. And, uh, and so part of it was presenting all of the art for, from every artist to the Sheikh of Sharjah. And... As he as he came up and inspected it, I popped a piece off, handed it to him. Uh, I had heard that he was a fan of Lego, so that oh. might have been one of the reasons why I got invited in the first place. That's neat. Um, I know another Lego artist uh, got invited uh, in a couple of years later, so I hope I had something to do with that facilitating Dante. So that's great. That's great. You know, you've described this whole process and you've alluded to it already as transformative for you. Uh, you said you felt you felt changed, and as artists, we hope that that our art has that effect on those that view it or experience it or interact with it but for it to happen to the artist himself is truly amazing to me can you describe to me how this experience changed you for the better well i think one of the interesting things about my journey as an artist right is that 10 years ago if you had called me an artist i would have laughed right I would have been like, well, especially not a visual artist, right? Like I have, I've written some plays and, um, you know, I was in a band once upon a time. And so I'm a creative guy, but being a visual artist, just no way. I don't paint, I don't draw, I don't sculpt. And so it took me years to really just own the whole title of artist, hmm. right? Because it has been predefined by the world to be certain things right. in certain areas. Right. And so... By the time the festival rolled around, I had started to feel more comfortable about self-identifying as an artist because I make things and I put them on a wall and I like to look at them. And if nothing else, that makes you an artist, even if it's just for you, That's right? True. And But getting to the festival, one of the things about what I do is it's, it's really odd in Western culture, in the United States or in Europe, like geometric art is not a, the typical form of art. And in the Middle East or in the Far East and other parts of the world, it is actually the norm. Hmm. And so showing up in the UAE and seeing like these crazy patterns everywhere on a parking garage, right? Instead of having an open space in a parking garage where you just see a car, they've put this geometric pattern as a, as a screen over top of it. And so I just was like, I, I think I found my people. <laughs> I think I found like where my brain wants to be. And then the festival itself, all of these other artists, they, we all worked in different mediums, but it was 
the exact kind of like temperament. Mm. Like uh, one thing I have, when people see what I do and even the YouTube videos with, with the iteration, they either respond with, oh my God, I could never do that. It looks so boring. <laughs> or they go, oh, that's so satisfying. This the whole idea of just kind of sitting down and putting together a thousand pieces in the same way over and over again. Totally meditative. I love it. <laughs> and that, just, that kind of separates all of humanity into two camps. Yes, it does. Right? And and so the artists at the festival, we, we called ourselves like the pattern family because we all just had this kind of obsessive meditative quality where doing something over and over and over is a meditative process for creating art as opposed to a monotonous redundancy. And like one artist worked in electrical wire and another artist worked in little folded up, wrapped up pieces of paper mm. and a, another artist painted, but her freeform painting was really symmetrical. And, and the list went on and on and on. Uh, another artist, he would draw hand-drawn lines in, pen, in ink and pen in different colors. He'd do 100,000 lines in a geometric pattern. And, and he just blew my mind. And I was like, what happens if you mess up? Oh. And he's like, you start over. It's wow. ruined. Wow. Right? He's like, and so when I, when, I draw, um, when I draw, I only sit down to draw if I'm in the zone. Because if I'm not in the zone, I'm going to mess it up so I don't draw. And so for him, it is literally an act of meditation. Wow. Uh, it would have to be. And, and, it's, and so for me, like the, <laughs> I am not that guy, right? Like for me, I make a mistake with the bricks and I just pop that mistake off and I put another one on, right? There's right. really no negative downside. But meeting all of these different people who were either professional artists or part-time artists um, who had dedicated a huge portion of their adult lives to doing this kind of geometric art just made me, it just normalized my entire experience. Mm. And I went, oh, I'm not just a weird guy sitting in my house putting the Lego together in a pattern. I fit into a category of artists who do this, and it's amazing. And so I, all the things that did it, I was utterly inspired. I mean, I just came home chomping at the bit to just start building and it was that, like, it just lit my creative fire. So, it, and that's part of why, like, it, it was absolutely transformative. Awesome. And also to see, like, people who did it for a living. Like, they were professional artists, or at least semi-professional. Uh, and I don't think I'd ever met a professional or a semi-professional artist before that. Wow. And they let you keep I, I, all the parts. And they let me keep all the parts. And they shipped it back to me relatively intact really like i got it there like 99.9 percent .9 intact they sent it back like 97 percent oh intact. that's nice that's pretty impressive because i noticed a lot of your work started being in black brick after that and uh, oh yeah i was like i don't blame him a daggone bit man i'd 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 be squeezing this thing till there wasn't le anything left it's great well and one of the artists there um told me i can't remember what who the there's a very famous artist who just worked in black for almost his entire life until he was in his 70s and then he suddenly started adding like a little bit of color because I felt a little guilty because I'm like, I just love building a black. That's just my favorite thing. Um, although what I will say is that in recent years, because I now can buy more brick and sometimes like the, that medium Azure, that light blue that I've been building with recently is really cheap. So that's an incentive. Uh -huh. And I'm slowly but surely developing a taste for different color of Lego. So I feel proud of myself. I'm a little <laughs> color challenged, um, but that I'm slowly but surely kind of giving that up. That's nice. That's nice. Now, I want to give you a chance to brag on someone because I know that you are a man who is in love. And she, uh, as you've represented her, is an amazing woman who uh, you quoted as saying uh, she couldn't do this herself, but she supports me. So tell me how what it was like to travel with and and have the support of of your spouse. Oh my gosh! Like my what is fascinating is that I like at this point in my life I am an artist, right? But if you flash back ten years ago, my wife is the artistic director for a children's theater here in Portland, Oregon. Oh wow! And so my entire adult life has largely been watching her 
build this company of amazing artists from scenic designers to lighting designers, actors, the whole nine yards. And so my life and my children's lives have been steeped in this immensely creative environment. And so, uh, and my wife is just the most creative uh, force of nature that I've ever met. Wow. And, and, and she's also beloved in her community. And so I like to tell everybody, like, I found her first. I was the first <laughs> one to recognize how awesome she was. And so to be able to, so my life has been her providing me with this amazing array of interesting, creative people to just kind of interact with. And I'm just, you know, the husband of the artistic director. So to take her with me to the UAE and kind of give her that experience in a whole different world of art that is similar but very different to to the world of theater was just a delight. I bet. So, and a bet. And as, as the artistic director and as the director of many shows at her theater, at the festival, she was my assistant. Oh, so she got a little name <laughs> tag that said, that said, Sarah Jane Sanders, assistant. And I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> I had a similar thing where I was the, uh, I was the, the second command at a, at a, at a ministry I was involved with, but I got called to do a, a summer camp and yeah, my, my assistant was my, my mentor. And so he, he went and got a big assistant shirt printed, uh, just for the irony of the whole thing. So yes, I, I know you appreciated that. And I know she did too. That's great. So, um, the, the art festival obviously, uh, helped you a lot because, you know, just even logically, Hey, my stuff was in an art festival. Therefore I am artist, you know, <laughs> there's nothing more. Hard to deny at that yeah. point. <laughs> I'm, I got to take that title on now. Um, so, uh, what, what other galleries and places I know you've been in the, the Oregon museum of science and industry, uh, the interior AI or IA interior architects. You, you did a, a piece or two for them. Um, tell me about some of the other locations that your work has been featured. So locally, b before uh, before Sharjah, you know, the OMSI, the or Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, was the very first time I got a taste of my work on public display, professionally lit and hung, and it just, I was hooked. How did that so, get started? They, they actually had Nathan Sawaya, who's just, he's kind of the preeminent Lego artist. Any of the big touring Lego art exhibits are likely him, the art of the brick. Amazing yes, work. I've seen his stuff, uh, yes. He came to, to OMSI and they had some extra space in the hall. So they just reached out to local artists who did Lego. And so they just Googled it. And I was one of the people they found. Huh. And so I brought in a bunch of art pieces. I literally just brought a cart of things. And I'm like, I have no idea which ones you want huh. or how. I'm like, I just do this stuff. And so they selected the, the pieces and decided how to hang them and everything. And that was just, I just, it was utterly amazing. And I would kind of sneak in. I, well, they let me in whenever I wanted to go, but I didn't self-announce. You know, I'm the guy who built these sculptures, right, so I just kind of right. sit in the room and watch people looking at them. Yeah, and that was just such a thrill, oh. right? So, I mean, part of the reason I do what I do is because it's so profoundly strange and it's so mind-blowing and it's so unexpected. And so, the 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 shame of YouTube is that I don't get to watch people right. watching it. Right. Same right? With, same that is one of the most fun things. Yep. yep. So, and at the festival, uh, one of the best parts of the festival was watching people kind of look at my art piece and then, you know, wander off and, and then the next day grab me and go, oh my gosh, I, I went and looked at your piece really closely. It's made of Lego. <laughs> <laughs> I went, yes, yes, it is. You know, because at first glance, it's so weird, right. so unusual. It doesn't look like Lego. And I think that actually held me back for years especially in terms of like how I showed it online. Uh, it's one of the things I do now with YouTube is the thumbnail for that video is just a close up of, a, of this, the most intriguing like subset of, of what I build, right? I usually, the initial thumbnail I put out is just the, the bricks in the build as close as I can get. So there's no misidentifying. This is a video about Lego. So that when the moment hits where I do something really unexpected, it really impacts really yeah, it comes home um versus like putting things in a, on an art display 
you walk by it from a distance and it just looks like somebody got a CNC router or a laser etcher and cut out some plastic. And that's kind of cool. It's a cool pattern. Right. And then the minds get blown when they get close and wait, what? That's constructed by hand out of a children's toy <laughs> in a way that I never expected. So well, I noticed on your exhibit in the UAE, you had a Lego brick down to your signature. Was that part of the, the reason there to, uh, to get people yes. thinking in that mindset. And that was a enough? suggestion by another artist where, cause I had talked about this problem. He said, get a brick and, and we'll just glue it right under your name. Uh, so that when people come up and look at it, they see that and they'll walk closer. And, I, oh. and, and that's part of like, just that genius mind trust of artists that I got to connect with that I still, you know, I'm in contact with online. And I was like, that is brilliant idea. Uh, and was. the best part about that is the opening, the opening of the festival, right? And the, the initial guests come in and within 10 minutes, that brick was gone. Oh, really? And, and I was like, who's swiping that brick? <laughs> and it turned out that the photographer had brought his like 10 year old son and that 10 year old son made a beeline and swiped that brick and had it with him the whole time. That's great. <laughs> so. And I actually thought that was amazing. And so I got another brick and put some tape on it, put it right back up. But yeah, it wasn't taken. It was acquired. That's it was, it was acquired. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. like, I don't glue my pieces. Like my work is not glued. And so any number of people who walked by my build, they could have plucked as many pieces off that thing as they wanted to. And I don't think anybody did for the whole run of the festival. So that's, that's good. That's good. It, it is important that we point out, and he, he said it, um, no heat, no glue, no melting, uh, it, to quote you just a bit of magic. And, um, so that leads me to ask my next question is, do you have critics detractors? Oh, do, yeah. Do the Lego faithful decry your work? Are they? And to be fair, in in the nine and a half years before I got on YouTube and had some success there, I had virtually no negative feedback. Okay. If somebody had negative feedback, they certainly didn't tell me. Mm. Um, when when TikTok first and then YouTube, when those kind of took off, the the hordes of people who found nothing but horror in my torturing <laughs> of these poor little Lego pieces. Um, it, I found it utterly hilarious and awesome because um, I am like one of the least controversial people you'll ever meet. Like I'm a peacemaker and facilitator by nature. Like I want everyone to get along and sort of find myself as this at the center of this utterly uh, banal controversy is utterly amazing. So uh, there are lots and lots of people who are purists about lego how it should be used especially with the idea that you you know there's this whole concept that if you have something that you love you take care of it right you don't damage it you don't take your car out and beat it up if you really love your car right but for me i'm after the art that's what i want and so if if some bricks have to suffer a little bit in that process then then all the better and like you said earlier i think they're living their best lives i think this is what they were <laughs> meant to do um, but not everybody feels that way. That's okay. It's a, it's a okay to have different opinions. Yeah. So, so the guy making the star destroyers and the, uh, the, 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 the Ewok villages, he, he might not, he might not get along with you very well. Well, and I, I did my first, uh, Lego, uh, fan exhibition recently here in okay. Portland, okay. uh, Rick's cascade. And the feedback from all the attendees of the festival, um, was overwhelmingly positive awesome. they all thought it was really cool and really amazing i won best sculpture oh uh, there which was really fun so it's really just the anonymity of the online criticism you know the trolling I, online where I you agree. get the worst of it i agree um but you know to each their own well people with nothing better to do hey, those who can't create critique you know that's that's my thing well, and in the world of YouTube, every comment about how terrible and legal the my builds are just bumps me up in the algorithm. That's so true. That's true. Please tell me how terrible I am on YouTube, please. <laughs> so, uh, what custom Lego piece, if you could build, would you create? Like, what? What? I know you mentioned the A frames are, are your are your thing right now, but if you could custom build a, a piece, what might that look like? 
like build my own Lego piece? Yeah. Uh, I'm actually not going to answer that question yeah. because there are multiple and I don't want that idea to get swiped. I'm hoping <laughs> oh, that one day okay. I have that opportunity because there are there are a dozen okay. Lego pieces that I would have built for me. Um, and I've had I've I've yeah, there are other people who have who have asked for that in the past. And I'm like, nope, that's staying up here until that's someone okay. actually gives me an explicit offer to build it for me. Because I, I know exactly what they are. That's an excellent answer, actually. So thank you. <laughs> A little teaser. Oh, man. So um, what kind of art, if any, predated your creations with Lego pieces? I know you mentioned you've been around art. You've been inspired by artists. Uh, you know, But Lego's your bread and butter. It's, it's your thing. Um, what were you doing before that, creatively? Creatively, um, well, with my wife's theater, I've actually written a few plays okay. for her and um, largely uh, adaptations of work. So I have the Sherlock Holmes poster kind of hiding behind me. I wrote a, a young Sherlock Holmes original for the children's theater. Um, and so I have done writing in the past. And writing's interesting in that I do like it. It's, it is a bit of a slog. Writing, for me personally, writing is a slog. And so when I started, like I had dreams of being a, a novelist, you know, being a sci-fi writer. And I, I tried my hand at that for a few years. But what I didn't realize was that I would write something and then I'd go back and read it. And I, and I, I wouldn't have a visceral response to it, right? Mm -hmm. It was just like, I couldn't tell if my writing was good or not. Right. And then I do, other people would read it and they'd tell me, they'd give me positive or negative feedback about it. But like, I just didn't have an internal compass about whether I was creating good stuff. And so, and then just over time that just kind of piddled out because also like I didn't enjoy the act of writing. And so, but when I started playing with Lego and doing this, I enjoy building. I, I would do it whether anyone, I mean, I did do it for like nine and a half years and nobody paid attention. And I did it because I loved it. And when I build something and I take a step back and look at it, I have an instant response. I'm like, I either love it or I don't like it or something's not right. And if I could go back to my younger self and just give a bit of advice, I'd be like, if you're going to do art, make sure you have a, a, an internal compass for whether it's good or not. Because if you don't, you're never going to know. Mm. Right. And then if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So, and I don't know to what degree that is universally plays out. I don't know if that is also true in illustration. Um, but I, I know that because I like doing it and because I have this automatic response and I know whether it's good or not, I'm just, I just, I can go and go and go and go and I can do it forever. And it, it doesn't matter if anyone else likes it or not. I've, I've, uh, that kind of surety is, uh, is valuable. I've, I've never heard anybody, uh, be able to say that before. And that, that's huge. That's huge to have that because you put out your work and if you're drawing and it looks like what you wanted it to look like, you can kind of take away some of that, but then you have the, well, is it going to be appreciated by someone? And if you were hired to do it, uh, are, you know, it could look great to you, but is it what the customer wanted? Um, but to be able to work in that medium and have that, that surety is, uh, that's thrilling. That's, that's amazing to hear. Well, and I would say that surety is, it is a luxury because I am not using it to pay the bills. Right. And so it's not. And 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 it's interesting that, like, I'll put a YouTube video out and I'll be sure that this video is just going to knock everyone's socks off. And it has an absolutely mediocre response. Mm. And then I'll put out another video. Well, I'll be like, it's kind of a throwaway. I'm like, I have this. I'm going to do this build. I'm going to stick it out there. And it gets 11 million views. Yeah. And it's like that part of it, I can't control. And because I'm not tying it to like actually paying my mortgage, that doesn't matter. But yes, I think that changes the equation a lot when you're, this is now you're getting paid to do it. Um, but I, I think I am a little strange in that front. Like when, when the plays that I've written have been produced, every other playwright I've met, and I've met quite a few of them, the, their play is on stage and then they're just stressed out. <laughs> they're watching it and they're judging it and they're just like they can see its flaws and and it just causes them a lot of anxiety and i like when i 
you know, had my stuff up at OMSI and I'd kind of sneak in and watch people, I just always felt thrilled every yeah. time I watched my own show. And yes, I would see the parts of it where I'm like, that's not very good. And I didn't, I kind of did not nail that dialogue and that character's not that great. But overall, just watching it, watching it be brought to life right. by somebody else, I always just found amazing. So, well, and completing work, you know, getting it to that completion point. That's, that's another thing I want to drive home for our listeners is if you're a creator, complete something you know uh you can't show it till it's done and it can't be done until you put in the work and it and it can't be the work can't be done until you've been uh gone through that 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 initial struggle of of creating until you get to that point where you can ride the wagon down the other side of the hill um and and doors to that that if if you're struggling finishing shrink the target ah right like like if if building like this behind me, I've got this big, crazy hexagonal build and it's probably, you know, four and a half feet wide, like getting that to completion was really hard and it mm. took months and months because it wasn't quite right and the border was weird. And, and, but if I, if, if that had really, if I'd really gotten stuck, I would have just shrunk it. Mm. I would have gone, all right, scale this down to a sixth of its original size. And now the task is less daunting. But, and that's where, yes, completion. And I struggle with that with writing. Always struggled, like getting my writing projects done, finishing that play, finishing that short story. And with Lego, I'm always like, I want to finish it. I want to see the finished product because I think it's going to be amazing. So it, I am driven to finish. Is there an equivalent to writer's block when you're working with Lego? Do you ever hit a creative block? Not for me. Yeah? <laughs> like I, I... Just fiddle until you make it, huh? And I think this is also part of like, for me, like Lego and my brain are just simpatico. Like they are, they, they, in some, you know, magical coincidental sense, they just jive perfectly together. Huh. And so, and like, I've met a couple of, of, of young folk who, uh, you know, love YouTube and, and are really interested about my YouTube success. And we're talking about it and a lot of them, their big question is like, how do you come up with content? And my response is, I don't actually know the answer to that because I have been creating content for nine and a half years. Mm. It's piled up around my house. All I'm trying to do is figure out like, what order do I show it in? Wow. So it is, I think that if you're, if you're looking to unlock your creativity, I think finding something that is like the lock to that key, or maybe it's the other way around, the key to the lock, that might be, and who knows what that is, right? For me, I'd never, ever, 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 ever would have guessed that Lego bricks would have unlocked my path to being a visual artist. Mm. I, I would have laughed in your face at 30. Like, no way. And yet, here I am. Here you are, a decade later. And uh, have you learned, what, what have you learned in your creative journey that you'd like to share in addition to what you've already uh, you've, you've already ad addressed. I, I think that's to elaborate on something I talked about earlier, which is that idea of exploration. I think that, well, I, one, I think that you need to find what drives you. Right. And for me, I am very much driven by doing something different. I think that when I first discovered that Lego bending technique, if I'd hopped online and found 50 people who were already doing it, I probably would have walked away. Mm. And it was so that idea that I'm exploring unknown territory really gets me going. It's got a driving force in my psyche. And so finding what drives you, I think, is really, really important. And then I also think just letting yourself explore. There's this whole idea of and maybe it's just me, but like the, the con, the concept of trial and error has a negative connotation to it. Mm. Right. If you, if you say, how did you do that? With like, well, I just did it in trial and error. And it's like, it would be so much better if you had planned it beforehand and kind of drawn an architectural map and then built it. That's impressive. But trial and error isn't. Yeah. And, and for me, like I have flipped on that 180 degrees. I'm like trial and error, exploration, letting yourself play that is how you think outside the box. You, you, you don't think outside the box. You feel your hands into the darkness mm -hmm. and see what you can find, right? Because you will find things that you never would have thought of. You'll never would have discovered. And so 
and and that's part of like people ask how I come up with these ideas, and I'm like, I don't think them, find them. I know. I, I'm like a miner, and you think this? It's the I'm not a I'm not a gold miner, you know, or it's a gold miner or a cryptocurrency miner or whatever. <laughs> I'm out there mining for novel concepts, mining for new ideas, and I find so much junk in that process, and I just throw it aside. Um, I had a poetry teacher in college that. He said that if you want to write a great poem, you have to write 20 terrible ones. Mm. That's the only way to do it. And I, I, in retrospect, that is 100% true. For every amazing build I have, I have 20 or 30 mediocre ones. And for every mediocre one, I've got five terrible ones. And so it's just, I just throw, as, and because I like the process, I love the play and the meditative quality to it, uh, I am just constantly mining for these little nuggets that maybe turn into something golden down the road so don't limit yourself don't put pre-imposed rules on yourself and let yourself explore i think you'll you don't know what you will find excellent folks you can support uh jeff here brick 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 bending on youtube um he's he's got like i said nearly four hundred thousand subscribers millions of views and uh he wants he wants you to know about youtube i want you to go check out his videos also, uh, you can support what he does uh, financially at patreon.com slash brickbending and uh, help, him, help him get those cups filled, those, uh, those pick-a-brick cups, because Lego is expensive, as my four-year-old daughter used to say, expensive. Brewer words were never spoken. <laughs> if, if you're going to be an artist, then maybe pencil and paper yeah, is a little go, more go realistic. <laughs> Something like that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Hey, it was a real pleasure. It was fun to chat. The takeaways for me today were one, creativity has no rules. And two, your work can open doors to places that you never could have imagined. I was inspired by Jeff, a man who didn't even accept that he was a visual artist that his work enabled him to show his wife, Sarah, a talented creator in her own right, a whole different part of the world just because of his art. I hope that you are also inspired today. You have a comment, feedback, or a genius you think I should interview? Email me today at ilikegenius at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.